So Matt, we've been asked to tell people all about the new Autocar Electric podcast, brought to you in association with Audi e-tron. What can they expect to hear? Well, James, it's a new podcast from the world's leading motoring title where we'll look at every aspect of all electric driving. Will I learn more from Autocar's road test team about the newest and best electric cars and which are most fun to drive? You will. We'll also look under the metal, talking to designers and engineers from across the industry to find out more about what makes electric cars tick. But what about the bigger EV picture? Topics like charging and sustainability? Well, we'll be asking big questions of independent experts from right across the industry. And where can I find all this? It's easy. Just search your preferred podcast platform for Autocar Electric. Oh, and just one last question. Is there a charge for this plug? Oh, James. This is the Autocar Electric Podcast, brought to you in association with Audi. Hello and welcome to the latest of Autocar's series of EV podcasts. My name is Matt Pryor and Autocar's editor-at-large and I'm delighted to once again be joined by contributor James Disdale. James, what is on the Autocar Electric menu this week? Well, hello Matthew. Uh, Well, in the last couple of episodes we've uh, concentrated on new cars, discussing the ones we've driven as well as chatting about how future EVs might be developed. This time, however, we're going to take a little bit of a swim in the occasionally controversial waters of classic EV conversions. You know the sort of thing where a bang up to date EV drivetrain is dropped into a bona fide automotive legend. Yes, I know what you mean. So we have come over to Oxfordshire to pay a visit to Electrogenic, one of the pioneers of uh, EV transformation. And crucially, we've been joined by one of the company's founders, Steve Drummond, who has been the architect of some of its latest creations. Steve, hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. And, uh, well, some of your electrified Creations include a Porsche 356, classic Mini, Land Rover Defender, and uh, many more. Tell us what you do and what the state of play is here at Electrogenic. Right, so what we do is we um, basically take uh, classic cars, we develop technology to uh, make a completely electric drivetrain and to, with the aim of turning them into a better version of themselves. What we're all about is making cars that you want to drive. Good. James? Yeah. So what we're keen to sort of discuss, given that we're sort of petrol heads, I guess, is the... Uh, the is the old-fashioned phrase. Yeah. Gear, is gearhead the more... Uh, is it? Is the more non-petrol-related? I suppose so, yeah, given where we're, we're going. Be, yeah. But explain to people like us, and there are people out there who are quite sceptical about this process, why this is a good thing. It's really saying, well, why do people want their cars converted right? yeah. so and there's a range of reasons um, and, and for any individual it's usually a combination um, firstly the truth is that if you have a car that's 50 or 60 years old it's hard to drive uh, it's not necessarily fun it doesn't necessarily work um, when you uh, pull the covers off it and turn the ignition um, it doesn't necessarily get you home uh, and so Classic car ownership of the sort where you you have a car that you want to use is something that's that's sadly dwindling. It's dwindling because while fifty years ago um, everybody might have been on their uh, on their front drives fixing their cars at the weekend, people don't have those skills anymore, and uh, it, it's becoming much more of a difficult thing to keep a, a, a beautiful old car on the road. So. Um, 
people convert cars because uh, they're fed up of doing the maintenance. Uh, they convert cars because it's a way of making them reliable. Uh, they convert cars because they want to reduce their environmental footprint. And increasingly, actually, probably the bigger um, group of our customers, uh, they're interested in converting a car because they're younger, they don't have the skills or necessarily the time to keep an old car on the road. And uh, they want to drive a beautiful classic that they've already dreamed of. Um, and now that it can be electric, it's accessible. So talk us through some of the cars you've done. Because from memory, so you do uh, a, I've driven a Porsche 356 that you've done, yeah. which retains the gearbox and everything doesn't it as well which is yeah that's which right is, so, which is which is not is that atypical in the conversion world or is that is that is, is what is that you do that to to retain some kind of immersion in the driving experience yeah we do that because that's what the customers want so if you look at the the journey that the customer takes uh, with us first of all you sit down and say well what do you want to how do you want to drive this vehicle yeah. you know what is it about this vehicle that 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 makes you smile you know, how how do you want to how do you want it to be on your life and and this takes you, you know, some people really want to retain the, the manual gear shift because it's an active drive um and, and the Porsche 356 you, you know you've driven it you'll you'll see that actually it really contributes a lot to the whole experience um it's fun to drive um other people want simple smooth power and, and lack of complexity so it, it just depends um, so it's a bit about retaining uh, the character of the vehicle and you know, having done this a lot of times now I mean I, I would say it you know some cars benefit from being driven like an automatic um, or some cars the gearbox was never that great yeah um, but some cars really do um, gain something by making by retaining the manual gear shift, and the Porsche 356 is one of those. Uh, we, we did an MGA um, for a, a customer um, this summer, and, and I spent some time driving around the Cotswolds. It had a beautiful gearbox, and it was just lovely. It was just driving classic motoring as it should be. Mm. And talk us through, because um, you've done some Land Rovers. Yes. Uh, do they, I can't remember if they retain the gearbox or, or uh, not. It's not one of the... It depends. It depends. So we have a... We have a, a low-cost conversion package uh, for farmers and landowners. Mm. So that's built down to a price. It comes in the form of a kit that can be installed by your local garage, and that retains the gearbox. Right. Because uh, it means it's a cheaper conversion. We can put a, a lower-power motor mm. um, or lower-torque motor. So it's actually it's, it more or less exactly mirrors the uh, power and torque of the um, 300 TDI engine. Okay. And... Uh, lightweight uh, flywheel, um, heavy-duty clutch, straight onto the gearbox, and away you go. You've got a clunky old Land Rover just like you always did, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's electric now. Yeah. And the cool thing about it is a couple of things. One is it's, it's quieter, mm -hmm. so uh, you can get up behind the cows and they don't really pay attention, and it makes, makes the farming easier. Mm. Um, but also you can't stall it, yeah. which makes it an absolute legend off-road. Yeah, and for towing, that must be pretty cool as well. Yeah, it's good for towing. We've had um, big trailers full of hay um, up and down steep cinder tracks, forwards and backwards. It, you know, it, it can really put, it can really do things that the original Land Rover couldn't do. Yeah. Because uh, you'd have stored the engine. Yeah. Um, but then, but we also do a, a, a very sophisticated um, conversion package, uh, which is now um, 
becoming available in the form of kits, uh, which is where we take away the engine and the gearbox. Uh, we have a bespoke drivetrain that we've engineered, which plugs straight into the transfer box. And so you still retain your high and low capability, your diff lock, all of that. Um, but when you're driving it on the road or off-road, in high or low, you're driving it like an automatic. And that's a great combination, actually. It's, yeah. it's really, again, you can't stall it. Um, it's got lots of torque, uh, much more uh, low-down torque than the original engine. So it's fabulous off-road. And uh, you can focus on where you're driving rather than which gear you're in and all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which in a way is what a modern Land Rover Defender, you know, fully automatic with a terrain response and all those kind of things. It tries to give you some of that effect, doesn't it? It tries to remove yeah. all of the yeah, funkiness of the CD. Driven a modern terrain response. Yeah, terrain <laughs> response equipped Land Rover and gets into a, an old Defender would probably actually yeah. struggle off-road a little bit because it requires quite a lot of skill, doesn't it? Yeah. It requires a lot of skill, yes, but um, a lot of that skill is um, keeping the uh, the engine in the in the right torque band. Whereas even I can be a hero off road in an electric Land Rover. <laughs> so this this uh, these kits, also you do them for the Land Rover. Is this uh, like an expanding market of being able to literally yeah, this retrofit? Is, this is where we're taking the business. So um, we started off the. The business saying, right, you know, bring us your cars. What do you want to convert? We'll convert it for you. We've done all sorts. You know, we did a very um, famous Citroen DS, for example. Um, beautiful conversion. Um, looks like a spaceship now. Sounds like a spaceship as well, and it just glides along. Lovely. Uh, all sorts of different cars: um, Morris Miners, and Minis, and uh, Land Rovers, E-types, all sorts of things. Um, and uh, and there's clear patterns in which vehicles are more in demand for conversion and our design techniques production techniques the available technology is getting much more sophisticated now um, so we're now fitting uh, drive systems that would be in you know in a high-end production EV and um, so and our expertise is really in, is in developing the technology and applying it to to the task in hand, which is how do you make this beautiful classic vehicle drive like a better version of itself, drive as perhaps the original designers would have liked it to. And um, so having developed all that technology, the, the, the limiting um, factor is, is, is the physical room in our shop and our ability to get cars physically through. And so it makes time makes sense to to make that available that technology available to others. So the idea is that for for those uh, models which there is a lot of demand for, uh, then we're producing um, sophisticated kits, drop-in kits, calling them, mm. um, that we can then supply to a trained installer that we'll train, uh, third-party installer, and, uh, and and they'll fit them. So uh, the first three marks that we're uh, that we're issuing kits for is the Land Rover Defender. Um, there's a sort of side one for a Land Rover series, yeah. but then there's the uh, Porsche 911 and uh, E-Type. Okay. Yeah. And when it comes to training installers and things like that, are there how many people are equipped to do it at the moment? I mean, is it? Um, so I know it's hard to, for some manufacturers to to employ high voltage engineers because there just aren't enough of them. Yeah. But is the training? Is that you know? Is it how hard a 
process. Well, so this is the cool thing about the kits. So, so the idea about the kits is that it really is a completely packaged solution. Mm. So for a Defender kit, for example, um, you've got a, uh, a motor transmission assembly, which is essentially a motor, one of our bespoke reduction gears uh, with an adapter with a spline that plugs straight into the transfer box. You just bolt that in. Mm. And there's a big box of bolts in the front a slightly smaller but still substantial box that bolts in the back. You run two HV cables from the back to the front and everything else just plugs together and then you do the 12 volt wiring and that's it. Mm. So the idea is that all of the actual HV live working, all of the stuff that does require some significant uh, both training and also safety, um, PPE and, and, and techniques and so on, um, that's all done by us and sealed before it goes yeah, okay. to the customer. So yeah. um, the training is more about um, so this basic level how to make the vehicle safe um, and uh, when you're working on it. But uh, it's more about commissioning processes and procedures, troubleshooting, that sort of thing. Uh, we wouldn't expect at the first level the installers to need to open up any of the boxes and, and get involved in the HV directly. Yeah. And your conversions don't need any sort of, they don't take sort of chassis conversions, do they per se? They don't affect no, um, the Which is fully important. It's, it's important for a number a of reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're all, they're fully reversible, which, which is a philosophical important thing. You know, we're not trying to change the car. We're, you know, we're, we're not a chop shop. We're, what we're trying to do is make, is, is, as I said, make it a better version of itself. It's, it's repower it change the engine but 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 you know leave only footprints sort of thing um and uh, yeah you, you have a better relationship with the dvla if you if you don't chop the car up as well yeah. so yeah so those those kits you mentioned e-type and 911 yeah is that because there's quite high demand yeah those are the high sort of highest demand yeah because that i mean that fascinates me because what arguments you might hear against this are for cars with engines that you might consider iconic like a flat six yeah. In 911, yeah. the XK engine in the Jaguar, but clearly, the people that use these cars perhaps aren't as fast as we think they are. Because I mean, yeah. I, I can for the Defender, brilliant. You know, you and I have got yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the TD5 is a is a is it's a, a way of getting from A yeah. to B. It's not the best engine in the world. The DS as well, absolutely brilliant example of systems engineering, but the engine is hopeless. Yeah, and what better way to Oh, to waft. Yeah, yeah. Waft and to accentuate um, the rest yeah. of the car's brilliance than an electric motor. So yeah. it, and you do the minis for London as well, don't you? Which seems to make yeah, we do a, minis. an awful lot of sense. Minis are very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. minis yeah. are very cool. And, yeah. and we've got a mini kit coming out um, middle of next year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right, yeah. To, for, for a, a, in cars that we think the engines are central yeah. to the experience. It, it, it's funny. It's so, funny how demand for that is, yeah. is so very high. It, it's quite striking for us, actually. So... Um, First, the first E-Type we did, we took down to Simon Park, the London um, Classic Car Show was down there. And, uh, you know, you're there for three days and people come up and say, sacrilege, you know. <laughs> and then literally the very next weekend, we went up to a specialist um, Jaguar owners, um, quite a big meet up at Mr. Heritage. Mm. And, um, which is basically people who drive E-Types and other Jaguars every day as their regular vehicles, and they were really interested. Mm. And so there's a difference between what people who don't own and 
who, who don't drive cars, that don't drive these classic cars every day, um, what, what they, they perceive of as, as the, um, the, the beauty and the reality of owning them and, and the actual, actual reality of owning them that's experienced by the people that do. And, and so E-Types uh, have a beautiful engine. You, look at the, you, you lift the bonnet and, and it's really something to look at. And, and it, it, it's, it's got its sound um, and you can't keep it in tune for more than a week or so. And they start, according to one of our customers, well, you know, one time in every three <laughs> and it's not so easy, right? Yeah. And so if you want to be driving it around because you love the way that it glides down country roads and you love that bonnet stretching away ahead of you and mm. you love the way it turns into a corner um, and that's the pleasure that you get from it, then why not repair it with something that's reliable um, and always in tune? Mm. It's fascinating because I think people see this as like a sustainability thing, an environmental thing, but actually you were saying earlier that's probably one of the smaller reasons it's definitely a factor and um people make decisions for a for a, a number of reasons it's not just one thing usually and and it often is an environmental consciousness either directly because you know they don't want to be polluting the planet or indirectly because they want to um be able to get in and out of the ULEs without paying um so that's definitely a factor um particularly actually for Land Rovers because People like driving their Land Rovers, but often they're getting more and more embarrassed because they do make a lot of smelly smoke. Yeah, 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 mine does. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the reasons people come to you that they want to use the car more often and make it more accessible to yes, not just them, their families as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, very typically, you'll find you know, family's got a, a main car that does for moving boxes and big journeys and it's got a it's got a second car for local trips and then maybe there's a classic sitting on the driveway that gets used once or twice on a weekend in the summer and so first of all what it does is it makes you drive your classic every day so the second car becomes redundant so your your, your second car is now your beautiful classic um, also it makes them easier to drive so that Porsche 356 you drove for example when you drive it with a petrol engine, it actually has a very narrow torque band. And to keep it really doing what you want to do, you've got to keep the revs up and you've got to be really attentive and you've got to be very conscious about which your gear you're in all the time. With the conversion, it's got the gearbox. You still use the gears and you want to use the gears. You want to change down into second, power around the corner, back up into third actively. But it's less sensitive in the gearing. So... Uh, because it's got that wider torque band mm. and so you find it's more relaxing and you start to sit back and enjoy it and enjoy the sunshine and and the trees going past and, and it, it's, it's more expansive so it feels nicer and also if you don't want to you don't have to change gear mm. it will pull away in third and even in fourth i mean it'll pull away slowly um but nevertheless if, if so if you if, if you really just want to tootle down to the shops and not think about anything, you just leave it in third and, and go. So it gives you flexibility and it, it makes it accessible for everyone to drive. I mean, the first one we did, we, we converted, was at a Beetle actually. And and uh, I was the only person in the family who, who could start it. It wasn't that hard. There was a knack, but it's a knack you had to be bothered to to gain in the first place and, and that just meant it was a car that was only driven by me whereas once it was converted it could be driven by anybody and, and yeah. so that whole accessibility thing is, is quite a thing for an old car yeah and in terms of the hardware you put in 
and charging capacity and range and so on and so forth. Is there a typical, what, what would say a, a Defender kit that you offer have in terms of battery size and charging yeah, so, capacity and so on? So when you design a battery pack, it's uh, you have to make the voltage add up to the operating voltage of the motor. So that gives you a constraint and, and uh, lithium ion batteries come in certain terminal voltages and you have to combine them in order to get the right motor voltage and then an approximation of the total number of kilowatt hours of battery storage that you want. So it's sort of modular um, and part of the design work we do is to, is to, is to craft that. So we have uh, we have four kits for Land Rover Defenders. There's the agricultural one, as I mentioned, agricultural because it's really good off-road, um, it's really good for running around the farm, it's really good for uh, running down to the local village. It's not designed to do big road trips. It's designed down to a price. You've got a three-year payback as a farmer. Um, it's an economic investment. That's it. So that's one kit. Um, it runs at a low voltage uh, because it uses the uh, original gearbox and low voltage motors tend to have lower RPM so it fits better. You know, you don't want to drop 15,000 RPM through a clutch, mm -hmm. right? So the motor does about up to about 7,000, 7,500 RPM. Um, so it fits uh, a whole clutch system. It's very similar to the original engine. So you're, you're just replacing like for like really, just a different power source. Um, and uh, so it does it what, what it's designed to do, which is do all the jobs around the farm every day, plug in at night, ready to go in the morning, get on with it, right? Then for, for the more road-going defenders, you know, defenders are big, square, and heavy. Yeah. Um, they need a, a certain amount of power and torque um, to, to keep them going, and they're also, they eat um, battery capacity like you, like you wouldn't believe. Um, so... We have a, a, an entry-level kit, which is a 62 kilowatt hour battery. Um, it's a water-cooled uh, water motor, um, 120 kilowatt motor, and that will give you uh, a car that, that runs around every day, does everything you want it to do. It's actually really good off-road. It's got about a real, real-world practical range of about 120 miles. Okay. Um, and uh, CCS charging, so you can you can recharge it in an hour or so. Um, that's the sort of base level. We we have a we have an enhancement to the motor that goes in that, which runs it at higher voltage, so it gives a bit more power. Uh, that sustains the acceleration at above about fifty five miles an hour. So if you're doing a lot of road, you know, a road motorway use, you, you want to be able to. Um, be in the sort of 70 mark rather than the 60, 50, 60 mark, which is what defenders, you know, certainly older ones stick out really. So it's got the extra power for that. Um, runs at slightly higher voltages, so it's got slightly higher, slightly bigger battery pack, 70 kilowatt hours. Um, and that's an also because it has the extra power, it's a great little sports package for a Defender 90. It makes it really, really perky. It's got about twice the torque of the um, original, if it's a 300 TDI or similar. And uh, it's a great one. Um, and then we have a, a version with a bigger battery pack that's only going to fit into a, a 110 or 127 because uh, you need more, you need to find space for the batteries. Mm. We don't like, we don't ever put batteries in load space. Um, and so 
we're using the real estate behind the rear axle uh, and in a 90 there's not much of that so in 110 there's space so that's 36 kilowatt hours it's got the higher power motor deal with a bit of the extra weight and it'll again real world give you about 150 160 miles range something like that pretty good isn't it what i'm intrigued by you you mentioned there is the three-year payback in the base kit yes because it is much cheaper presumably and especially on a farm which may have its own wind farm solar panels etc Yes, you 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 are talking about you know, yeah. big savings in running costs. Yeah, that's right. And, and farms do a lot of miles. You know, mm. it may not look like it because they're just running around the farm, but they're doing it three hundred sixty-five days a year. Yeah, and so um, not unusual for a defender on a farm to do fifteen twenty thousand miles a year, um, all within a ten-mile radius, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the the and the savings are considerable because. Um, you know, they have relatively cheap electricity prices because uh, there are oh, it's a lot of farms have uh, renewable energy um, on site now. Um, uh, so you save a lot of diesel. You save diesel for a number of reasons. One is that a lot of the, sh- the trips um, on a farm tend to be short trips. So this is when the engine is cold yeah. um, and, uh, and therefore inefficient. So you're burning a lot of fuel. Uh, if you give the in the winter particularly you know if you give the vehicles the farm hand you know they have notoriously terrible heaters and so just mm. leave the engine on all the time so you, you you drive a few miles down the road to the field uh, you leave it on you leave, leave the engine idling for a yeah. couple of hours to keep the cab warm yeah. um, while you're doing the work and then you can go on to the next place in a warm cab and so with uh, electric um, drivetrain you, you don't have any of that idling and there's a instant heater you just turn it on and you're, yeah. you're instantly toasty um, and also you don't have to drive to uh, you don't have to drive to go to petrol station go to get diesel there's and you're and you don't have to maintain the engine so there's there's quite a lot of saving actually yeah. do you have a power takeoff from the battery if you if somebody wants to run a a power tool or something off of the car itself when they're down a field we've not done that actually we, we've got a we, we've got a, a 127 military ambulance um downstairs that we're mm. doing conversion on and uh, the back of it's been converted into a camper actually and so the owner has asked us to do that so that's something we, we can provide i quite like that yeah i really like that <laughs> yeah. i know the guys from jeep are, are, are doing we'll do eventually an, an all-electric jeep wrangler at some point and yeah. they're like look the you know the the ideal that you could go to the rubicon drive around not disturbing any of the birds because it makes no noise and then yeah. at night set up your tv and yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything else is that's quite, right. It's so quite appealing. You know. Vehicles are load, isn't it? It's yeah. I know some of the OEMs are starting to. Yeah, doesn't the new F150 Lightning have some kind of grill on the back? Yeah, the, no. on the tailgate you, as an option. Yeah, you, I think but features like this. This idea, this, this sort of money saving idea, and it's. It, I don't know whether any of your clients have mentioned this because, as I guess EV take up increases across the board, hmm. and now there's sort of talk of bi-directional charging, and more people are getting solar arrays and renewable hmm. energy in their home. And someone the other day mentioned to me that they were thinking of changing there. They've got a Triumph GT6 and electrifying it. Because he said one of the great things you can do is it's still a classic car. It's more accessible, but it's still yeah. the thing you tend to put in the garage, mm. get out at the weekend. Um, and what, It's perfect. You put it in the garage and then you plug it into charge and then it becomes part of your electric ecosystem. So yeah. you can use it to balance power. Its battery is a storage battery. You can charge it over so, yeah. when it's cheap and run the dishwasher in the morning when it exactly and that suddenly that 
the, the yeah. light bulb moment goes on. You think, yeah. well, actually, yeah, so many of these classic cars, even ones that have been made more accessible, do spend a lot of time pampered in a garage, yeah. ready to go. And, yeah. and it's sort of earning its keep if you can plug it in. And yeah, it's, that's true. Yeah. On the classic front, tell me about the 911 package that you do. So the 911 package... Um, it's very cool. <laughs> There's uh, so it has 62 kilowatt hours of battery um, that fits quite nicely in the 911 package. Um, it uh, adds a bit of weight to the front, which helps cornering, so that's quite nice. Um, and then there's two motors: uh, the smaller one, the larger one. Uh, the smaller one will do give you 0 to 60 in about 4.9 seconds. And the bigger one, it's three point eight. And what what age of nine eleven are you? Is that available? Um, G bodies and nine six fours. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting quite a big demand. Yeah. How many do you reckon conversions are you looking at at the moment? We're tossing. We 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 announced the uh, the kits um, on Tuesday, and uh, we're totting up inquiries. The process is that. Um, with the defenders, the sort of depth of demand is 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 well developed, and we we have um, defender specialists coming to us all the time saying, look, you know, um, we've got demand for these from our customers. Uh, can you help? So we've got a a, a growing network of defender installers. Um, we're going to make some announcements soon um, for the states, for example, and and um, that's the other thing about kits is we can export them. So it's a it's a, a massive uh, benefit for us, of course, because. For example, if you want your Defender um, converted, if you're American, you want an electric Defender, what do you do? Um, you can't send your car here and get it converted and send it back because the import-export regulations won't really allow that, not at all easily, if at all. Um, whereas if we send a kit over to the States, it's installed by somebody there who's been trained by us, um, then that ticks all the boxes in terms of local regulations. So. So we've got a lot of demand from, from the States, for example, for Defenders, um, and from all over the place. Um, for the 911, um, we are uh, starting to um, develop our network of people interested in um, installing them. And so um, that's a bit of a watch this space, but it, it's, a, it's a very interesting space. Yeah. You would expect those to be different people to the Defender network of people, or you yeah, install yeah. who would it do, who would do it, one install who would do it. Our sort of natural partner are people who are specialists in their in their mark, right? So you have a you have a Porsche specialist, you have a, a Land Rover specialist, yeah. you have a, a Jaguar specialist or E Type specialist. So those are those are natural partners, and and it's it, it means that everybody's playing to their strengths. You know, our strengths are um, is in all of the electrical drive systems, the electronics, in in. Um, integrating that with the vehicle in integrating it with uh, what's happening in your dashboard and how you want to drive it and your inputs and outputs and and, and doing all of that stuff um, we're not the world's greatest experts in every single car ever built mm. um, and so uh, it makes sense for us to partner with the people who are experts in the vehicle itself um, and, and we can we can do what we're best at and they can do what they're best at and and they can continue to service their customers. Mm. We're probably approaching the end. We've yeah. got time for a couple more. Jeff, I was, was going to ask, uh, what, have you got a, a car that you haven't converted that oh, you'd like to? Have you got a dream? <laughs> yeah, my dream car is downstairs. <laughs> it's a DeLorean. 
Ah. <laughs> where it's at is we, we it, it's um, it's been stripped down. It's had all the 3D scanning. We've got a complete model of it in in the in the uh, in the SolidWorks CAD CAD system. Um, we're just talking with the manufacturer about the motor because there's a crossbeam. The motor is designed to be installed at angles of up to 35 degrees and for us to fit it in nicely it needs to be at 45 so we're talking to the, the motor manufacturer about the um, it really what it's all about it's about lubrication in, in the reduction gear set um, and so we're just checking that out and then it's going to go together and I'm so excited and the customer wants a flux capacitor so <laughs> Of course they do. I'd have a flux capacitor. 100%. Are there cars that you think suit it better than others? Do you know what? So the the disease I have now, so we we like the cars to drive when they come in um, because we like to drive them, understand the character a bit better, find out what's wrong with it, you know, what the brakes are like, that sort of thing. You don't want to be commissioning a car and and the brakes are no good. Um, And my disease now is that I drive every car when it comes in and I step out of it and think, do you know what? It's going to be so much better electric. <laughs> Is there anything you wouldn't do? <sighs> never say never, but y- y- you know, my imagination starts to fail me with a, you know, something like a Hummer or I just said, why would you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, there's a whole, wealth of automotive excitement out there and that's really the cool thing about this it is it's you know in some ways we've sort of gone back 100 years to the mm. to the period where anything was possible and um you know we, we work with mike cooper for example and, and he's really excited because he, he sees again the sort of golden age of development stuff that was in the 60s and we're having it again now because there's this really interesting technology you can do new things with and and you, we've got the design techniques you can package them into um, vehicles that you love and it's all it's all good why wouldn't you yeah yeah excellent well on that note i think we will probably just about end it there james Tisdale, thank you very much thank for you very much joining me steve from electrogenic thank you very much thank you very much it's a lot of fun uh, we have more Autocar podcasts elsewhere at your favourite pod provider. There's one called My Week in Cars, which is out every week. There are other Autocar electric podcasts, which Diz is kind of running most weeks, aren't you, Mason? Uh, you can find Autocar at autocar.co.uk, over on YouTube, and of course on digital subscription and in print as it has been every week since 1895. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.